0: You are Locked On Chargers. Your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers. Part of the Locked
1: On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Droegemeier, and also today joined by the Chargers Encyclopedia, John Kegley, one of the original members of the show, and this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network. But we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly on Facebook, and this is our third season as the host of the Locked on Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What is up, guys? Welcome into the Locked on Chargers podcast. Welcome to any new listeners checking us out for the first time. We really appreciate it, and we hope you guys like the show today. We have a lot to get into because we have some big news. Desmond King has been traded to the Tennessee Titans for a 6th round pick, he was held out of the game on Sunday, so we're going to get into the effects of that and why that's important for this defense to be able to fill in for him now that he's gone. And we also got updates on a couple of guys who had scary head injuries in the last game, Joey Bosa and Troy Main Pope, and when we expect them back, but then we're going to get into what went right and what went wrong from this game against the Denver Broncos, and obviously when you're throttling a team as much as the Chargers were, there's a lot to get into and what went right. I mean... Justin Herbert had a couple brilliant sequences, the Chargers got their running game going and much more, and then unfortunately we have to get into what went wrong, which we'll get into in the second segment, we have our expert here, John Kegley, and we're going to talk about all of the ways the Chargers blew it, and then just some littler things from that game that definitely went wrong, and probably cost the Chargers the win, so we'll get into that, but let's go ahead and get into it. On Monday, the Los Angeles Chargers announced that they had traded former All-Pro cornerback Desmond King to the Tennessee Titans. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Droegemeier with your Locked On Chargers lead story. One of the surprising things that came out before the Chargers game against the Denver Broncos was that last minute their nickel cornerback Desmond King, who had been on the field a lot due to injuries to Chris Harris Jr. and others, was held out of the game for non-injury-related reasons, and head coach Anthony Lynn said that it was a team decision, but we did find out on Monday that now the Chargers have shipped desmond king to the tennessee titans for a sixth round pick so it is actually not the Titans' sixth round pick in 2021 that they'll be getting it will be the jaguars pick after a trade that they made earlier on in the season so definitely better that it's the jacksonville jaguars but david a lot of fans are upset that the chargers didn't get more some are upset that he was just traded in general but what did you think of the move and what did you think of the compensation
2: So I thought the move was kind of inevitable, honestly, with all the things that were going on with Desmond King and the Chargers organization. I mean, in 2017, as a rookie, he came in, played fairly well. In 2018, he was a first-team all-pro as a corner and a second-team all-pro as a punt returner. So he had a phenomenal season. But in 2019, he definitely fell out of favor on the football field, uh, performing and with the organization. In Week 15, he was suspended one game, before the Vikings game for conduct detrimental to the team. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, those things kind of carried over into the 2020 season when he complained publicly on Twitter about his lack of playing time And uh, the Chargers didn't like that very much, and they immediately scaled down all of his snaps considerably. The way I look at it is the Chargers traded 11 games of Des King for a sixth-round pick. You know, you have no idea what kind of value that's going to bring or what kind of player that is going to bring, but it could bring several years, and, you know, it could be a good player. You don't know. So that's the way I look at it. And for some more information Daniel Popper came out with a great source here with some good information saying, according to a source, punctuality was a reoccurring issue with King who earned all pro honors in 2018 after the Chargers drafted him in the fifth round of the 2017 draft. King also questioned his playing time on Twitter earlier this season. GM Tom Telesco does not have much Patience for airing team issues publicly. This latest violation was the final straw. So that's some little bit inside information as to what the final blow was that led to the Chargers ultimately shopping and trading Desmond King to the Tennessee Titans for a sixth round pick.
1: There were definitely disciplinary issues. It was a very tight-lipped situation. That's the only report we've heard come out about it, is that he hadn't been punctual and been coming in late to meetings, basically. But the Chargers are losing a very good player. He had bounced back considerably this season. He had allowed only .3 yards per coverage snap this season, almost half the amount of any other slot cornerback. This season, according to ESPN's and Next Gen stats, so they're going to miss him, and they're going to especially miss his tackling in the open field, and Anthony Lynn was asked about who would replace him if it would be Tavon Campbell, who filled into that role against the Broncos, and he said it could be Campbell or Nazir Adderley, who they had there in training camp, or Jaleel Adai, but Jaleel Adai is probably not the best option since When he was last with the Chargers in 2018, he allowed 14.5 yards per target, and last year he allowed a completion percentage of 72.7% when he was targeted and missed 13.3 Percent of his tackle. So, hopefully, the Chargers can find a better option in the slot. But Anthony Lynn's news did not stop there because he did give an update on a couple of players who had scary looking head injuries in the last game. Specifically, Joey Bosa, he talked about and said that he was concussed in that game and he is now in concussion protocol. And Troy Mayn who took a really serious looking hit late in that game from Kareem Jackson. And according to Anthony Lynn, he does not have a concussion and that he's going to be fine. So, Good news on Troy Mayn-Pope, David, but obviously missing Joey Bosa for any period of time
2: is significant. Especially when the Chargers don't have any say on when he comes back. He's gonna, There's going to be an independent neurologist. He's going to have to pass some concussion protocol tests before he's going to be able to come back and possibly be eligible for this game. Everybody heals differently, all of these head injuries. Uh, are different for every single different player. So we don't know how long it's going to take for Joey Bosa. We're just going to have to wait and see. And uh, unfortunately, he came out when he was playing very well, about 10 and a half minutes in the fourth quarter. He had two tackles, two quarterback hits, and a tackle for loss in his 30 defensive snaps. So Joey Bosa is a monster of a player. We've seen it this year. When he's not out there, it makes a tremendous impact. The Chargers pass rush suffered tremendously. They got very little push after Joey Bosa left the game. And for Troy Main Pope, it was definitely a very scary hit from Kareem Jackson, who just earlier actually knocked out his own teammate, A.J. Bouye. It's very surprising to me that Troy Main Pope was not actually concussed after that hit. It was a nasty one, and uh, that is good news for him because he played extremely well in that game. 10 carries, 67 yards, 6.7 yards per carry, and caught a few passes as well. So, Good for Trimane Pope. Hopefully he can keep that momentum going against the Las Vegas Raiders next week. And I think the absence of Joey Bosa is one of the things that sparked the big collapse
1: by the Chargers defense, giving him three touchdowns on the Broncos last three drives, but for Trollman Pope, Anthony Lynn was asked about him specifically and what he thought of his performance, and he had said that he had challenged these running backs the week before for one of them to step up and take over that role full-time and really just take it from the other guys, and both of these guys could be ready to go next week. We just have no idea yet with the head injury to Joey Bosa, but for Troyman Pope, he should get another chance to really solidify his role as the top guy for this team in the rushing attack. But Justin Jackson coming off of a pretty efficient game will probably have something to say about that. But we do have two more segments to get into because we have to get into what went wrong in this game. The fourth quarter collapsed by this team. Another blown lead. And what exactly led to all of those things happening coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the best energy supplement that you could ask for right now to get you through the wall at the end of your day. And I'm talking about Built Go from the creators of Built Bar. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. They're easy to take in one and a half ounce packages and you can put them in your briefcase or your golf bag to keep you going. It's like a five hour energy without the crash feeling. Plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. You can try it out in three delicious flavors. They have peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. And right now you just have to go to builtgo.com and use the promo code locked, and you can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked, all caps for 20% off at builtgo.com. All right, well, before we get into everything that went wrong in this game, and there's going to be a ton to choose from, and we have our expert here, John Kegley, to tell us the worst of it. But I mean, the defense giving up 28 points, a 55 yard rush by Philip Lindsay. so much to get into there. But before we start with that, John, I just want to get your take on the Desmond King trade. What did you think about when you saw it and what was your reaction?
0: Well, um, thank God. Thank God we traded him. I'm not saying that as in I hate him and I want him gone. It's more of he was going to be a free agent after this year and I doubt the Chargers were going to resign him. So at least we got something back for him. Now, is it a six-round pick a lot? No, but Desmond King was a fifth-round pick, and look what he turned into, a really talented player who has two pick sixes, was getting a lot of sacks. I mean, he was a Swiss Army knife, really, for us. He made plays only for a fifth-round pick, so imagine what you could do with a sixth-round pick as well. And we're gonna we're going to be missing him. He was a really talented player that we're probably going to definitely see missing, especially until Chris Harris plays again. But at the same time, he was starting to become a locker room cancer from what's been said. with I've, It seemed like he wanted to be, the, to be one of those superstar players, and he wasn't getting that opportunity with the cut and playing time. And apparently him and Anthony Lynn were butting heads. So getting rid of him is the right choice, but at least you traded him and got something back for him.
1: And I think the biggest question is how much would you have gotten from him if you walked in free agency and you got a compensatory pick? And I've thought about that as well, but with what the nickel corner market was this offseason and with the unpredictability of the salary cap going into 2021, or at least a capped salary cap going into next season, I mean, I just don't know if it would have brought anything back besides a sixth round pick. So even if you could have had that, maybe it's a wash. Obviously, it's nice that it's the Jaguars pick, but the Chargers are definitely going to miss his performance on the field and it's going to hurt their chances Chances, at least somewhat, of being able to get back into it this season, especially if the NFL goes to a 16-team playoff format, which they're already talking about right now. Not that I think the Chargers will get there, but just things to keep in mind. So let's go ahead and get into what went wrong. We have to start with the experts. So, John, what did you think went most wrong in this game?
0: Well, first, I want to say the Chargers defense needs to start doing their own version of those Kareem Jackson hits. I think those would be a lot of statement hits for our defense, but uh, yeah, I don't see that ever happening. But after Joey Bosa left, you just, you just tell the defense just wasn't the same, and Gus Bradley could not do anything to change that, which bothers me. How do you not have some kind of a backup plan, like a blitzing scheme or a coverage scheme to make up for your best player not being in the game anymore? That that drives me nuts. You, you're an NFL Super Bowl champion defensive coordinator, who somehow does not have a backup plan for your best player not being in the game, especially when you have a big lead. I think that's something that has to be mentioned in this game.
1: I think that's one of the biggest indictments on him is just the fact that you didn't have Joey Bosa out there and it completely changed the complexion of your defense. Obviously he's a great player and your defense is going to suffer when he's not on the field. But at the same time, we've seen him not out there and on a limited snap counts before and the chargers, could still at times find a way to pressure the quarterback. But that's the biggest thing for this team. If you're not pressuring the quarterback, if you're not hitting the quarterback, if you're not getting sacks... The defense doesn't work. I mean, that's the secret of Gus Bradley's defense. I mean, it's predicated on being able to get pressure with four men without being able to blitz and having that cause you know early throws, having players be able to jump routes and things like that because the quarterbacks are having to make tough decisions and making poor passes. But if you're not getting the pressure, it looks like it did in the fourth quarter of that game. But I think that is an indictment on him. I also think that obviously that last play, before The play before, I guess, the last play on that fourth down, the, just sending them out there like that and not being prepared for that, seemingly, even with backups in the game. Casey Hayward wasn't out there. Joey Bosa wasn't out there. But I think that Nazir Adderley probably gets thrown into this as well because it's definitely his worst game as a pro. So, David, when you think back to Nazir Adderley's game, obviously he gets the defensive unnecessary roughness that sparks a 15-yard flag. And then after that, he ends up giving up what is, ends up being a 40-plus-yard touchdown by Deshaun Hamilton. Takes a bad angle, slips, tries to cut, and then after he slipped, I mean, that play was basically over. Also missed a tackle on the Phillip Lindsay 55-yard rushing touchdown, which obviously was a backbreaker and something that went wrong as well. So when you see Nazir Adderley play like this, I mean, it's obviously somebody we are very excited about. Are you chalking it up to something as easy as hey this is his first season back there you're surprised we haven't seen more mistakes like that or do you think it's one of those things where the chargers have to start you know thinking about someone
2: else at that position i mean there's definitely a lot of growing pains i think you see the inexperience out there from week to week so i i think that can't be discounted i mean he's taking the bad angles i mean we know he has the physical gifts and we know he has the speed and And he's not afraid to to tackle either it's not it's not a lack of willingness to tackle which i can appreciate no, not at all. He definitely goes after the ball carrier, and he definitely shows effort. He's not afraid. He will definitely put his nose in there. But I definitely think his lack of experience and reps out there has definitely it definitely shows, and I think that is the biggest reason why he's not playing to his full capacity or his or his full capability. Because I do believe he can play a good free safety in in the NFL, but there was a lot of things that were. Up against him this year. I mean, last year he missed the whole year to injury. This year he, you know, didn't have an off season, so he couldn't really get all the reps that he was going to get in a normal season. And then he's going out there and they're all right, all right, go get it, go get him, kid. I mean, he's doing the best he can, but I think the inexperience is it's it definitely shows every single week. Well, and he wasn't even going to be the starting free safety,
1: too. So, I mean, even with that limited training camp, his was even more limited because going into the season with Derwin James healthy, he was slotted to be the backup free safety, right? So he definitely was behind the curve. I think it would be easier to live with if we were seeing the ball hawking plays that we know Nazir Adderley is capable of, and I think that... Once he gets more comfortable in whatever system he's in, it's going to allow him to, you know, be a little bit more range and be able to get to plays a step quicker and things like that. So, for me, I know it is growing pains. This is a very young defense that's missing a lot of players. Your job is vastly different if you have derwin james out there obviously so i think those are all things to factor in but obviously not a good look on sunday a couple of big plays go his way but i think also the things you're not seeing are how many times he's in the perfect spot in coverage and the quarterback is just not throwing the ball in his direction at all either but one thing i have to touch on john is something that happened towards the end of this game offensively and the offensive game calling for this game Had really good moments. I think we continue to see Shane Sykin get better and better and better week in and week out. And obviously, there's still some things that have to be worked out. But the settling for the three field goals for the Chargers' last three scores, that's, I mean, obviously something that went wrong. Because basically, any one of those puts this game away with how the final score adds up. You know what I mean? Obviously, things can change. But... It feels like any one of those drafts turns into a touchdown. The game is over. So the first one is a field goal attempt. After you ran the ball well, Herbert ends up throwing three incomplete passes. The second one is Troy May Pope takes a negative four-yard rush. The next play, he takes that giant hit. And on third down, the Broncos bring a blitz and... Justin Herbert tried to find a ball over the top to Jalen Guyton. He couldn't do it. And the third drive gets derailed after the illegal block on Hunter Henry. The Chargers end up handing off to Joshua Kelly on first and 25 up the middle. That was annoying. Herbert ends up, you know, trying to scramble, getting nothing. And then Henry ends up fighting for the 13 yards. It made it an easy field goal. But that right there, John, it seems like obviously the Chargers' red zone offense has been good. These plays, most of them were coming outside of the red zone, but it's easy to point to that and say, hey, Obviously, the defense gave up all those points, and they're not going to be acquitted in this by any means, but you turn any of those field goals into a touchdown, you probably win the game.
0: I would agree. You would also need to talk about the selective of these play calls when it's really needed. So, like, fourth and one, and it's still a run up the middle. Why? Why are we still doing that? We have done it so many times this year, and yet it doesn't work, and yet you still call it. Why? What is going through your head, Shane? I mean, your play calling is improving every week. You're still scoring 30 points almost every game. You're putting points on the board, but at some point, you got to be a little more creative when it comes to really significant plays. Fourth and one, something's got to be a lot more creative, whether it's a play action or some kind of a crossing route type of play. Something that's going to throw the defense off, not something that's so simple as, we're just going to beat them at the line of scrimmage, something we don't do very well. And then I would have to say when it came to that first and 25, why are you running the ball on first down? We've had some, some success, but it's been like maybe five or six yards of carry success if we get a decent run. Why are you not throwing it and giving yourselves a better chance on second and third down? Running the, you don't have to always run the ball on first down especially when it's first and 25 or first and 15. you got to be more aggressive in this situation. Just because you're in the red zone, just because you're in field goal range doesn't mean you get to take the, the foot off the pedal just a little bit because, hey, at least we get points at the end of this.
1: 100%. I mean, the Chargers, I don't think it was a total lack of aggression that they showed just because the running game was working so effectively. I mean, the most effectively that it has all season. But on fourth and one, teams know your tendencies. And the Chargers only have one tendency, really, on fourth and one this season, and that's running it with the running back up the middle. They tried a quarterback sneak, which was pretty much just as bad as when they tried to run it with a running back in the short yard situations. But now, I mean, going forward, if you want to pull any kind of play action or anything like that, I mean, it seems to me like those teams are going to be totally sold out on the run right there. And you should have a pretty easy first down, or at least go with a read option where you give Justin Herbert the chance to pull it out and go for a first down himself, right? At least make that defender on the edge, make a decision instead of everyone just clamping up up the middle. So obviously there's a long way to go. in the.
0: And send somebody out for a pass, too. If you do that read option on fourth and one, make a receiver or tight end sneak out the back so that if someone comes up to hit Herbert, they don't see a tight end leaking out right in front of Herbert or something.
1: I mean, there's so many things that you can do. I mean, not asking for a run up the middle is basically the most obvious thing, right? I mean, there's any number of things you could do. But the run up the middle behind an offensive line that in this game was good. But when you're talking about just physicality and push is not a good offensive line. You have to come up with something different. But we do want to end the show on a positive note. So we do have some positive things like another stretch of absolute brilliance by Justin Herbert, Michael Badgley you know, gaining some trust back from this team, and much more coming up right after this. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into what went right from this game, and I do think there are some things that you can set aside and compartmentalize and kind of just be like, hey, well, this was something nice, something that we hope to see more of going forward from the Chargers and David, I think it has to start with the running game and we'll get into Michael Badgley and Justin Herbert as well, but it has to start right there because it was the most efficient running game we've seen from the Chargers all season. They had put up some big yardage totals, but the yards per carry really wasn't there. They weren't really efficient when they were doing it. They were in this game. And I think it starts with Troy Main Pope, who goes 10 for 67 yards. We talked about him, 6.7 yards per carry. And then Justin Jackson, 17 for 89. Even Joshua Kelly averaged more than 4 yards per carry. But 38 carries, 210 yards. We had no faith that they were going to be able to get this running game going again. But we were wrong about that because even against a pretty good defense, they were able to pretty much run all over them.
2: Which I think we have to talk about the offensive line with that, don't we? I mean, I think they played their best game of the year, to be honest with you. I think the infusion of Brian Bulaga made a immediate and significant impact on this defense, excuse me. On this offensive line, they were more physical, they were opening up more holes, they were giving better pass protection, Uh, I thought they were phenomenal, and it shows in the, the run numbers, 210 yards rushing, that is absolutely incredible, and the offensive line had a lot to do with it. It did, I mean, the offensive line definitely deserves a lot of
1: credit, even in pass protection. The times that Justin Herbert ended up getting sacked, and I'm doing air quotes, but you can't see it. A lot of those times was him trying to scramble early in the game. He taking you know slides, uh, probably could have thrown it away, but he ends up sliding. That goes down as a sack because he's behind the line of scrimmage. Another one he gets stopped for no gain while trying to scramble after just not having anybody open down the field. So. There are a couple of those where, I mean, I wouldn't really count those against this offensive line. It did look much better on Sunday, and it was against a, a team that had averaged three sacks per game, or more than that, even coming into this game. So they went up against a very good defensive front, and they got the job done. That was something that was definitely a nice thing to see. But I do want to talk about Justin Herbert, because, again, you're seeing, you know, you haven't seen the fully put together game, which is crazy when you're talking about scoring 39 points. 30 points, 27 points. I mean, the Chargers have been putting up points. This game, one of the things that obviously went wrong that we didn't get to talk about was the two turnovers. I didn't put the second one as much on him. The first one, those plays, we're still waiting to see him go a full game without a interception-worthy throw, and we're still waiting for that. But another thing you did get to see in this game was him just... At one point, just flipping a switch and then just looking like the best quarterback on the planet. And it was the Chargers' three-touchdown drives, John, where he ends up going 13-for-13 for for 153 yards and three touchdowns. And I'm going to say something a little bit weird. I do think that there were at times in this game where the Chargers were running it so much. It did seem like Justin Herbert was having a hard time at the end of the game finding his rhythm. But obviously, the consistency has to work itself out. And you'd like to think that that'll get better going forward. But... Those three drives—the Keenan Allen touchdown, the Gabe Neighbors touchdown—which I saw, you know, some still shots from that, and that still looks like a ridiculous play. Um, I mean, with the congestion at, when he threw that ball, I mean, he he wasn't open when he threw it. He kind of threw him open on that when he was running into the open space after I rewatched it again. But and then the Mike Williams touchdown—I mean, basically just putting it into his arm like that. I mean, you're still seeing those, you know, stretches of these games, John, where he just is incredible.
0: I think the word you used for it was perfect, and that's getting into a rhythm. Once he gets into a rhythm, there's no stopping him really until unless you do it with your own game plan or he does it himself really. But you can't do anything about it. He's going to find guys open. He's going to get the team down the field. He's going to th- make amazing throws towards the end zone. I mean, even the Jalen Guyton missed. That was a great play called by the Chargers, and he just missed him. Like, when
1: Guyton got bumped off of his route a little bit, too, I saw when rewatching yeah. it, too. I mean, timing on those plays, especially on a blitz, is so important.
0: Yeah, but he just missed him, though. It's not like he did like Daniel Jones did against Tampa Bay, where his throws were just missing completely bad, way behind receivers, overthrown receivers by a lot. Herbert's just barely missing his targets, and that is, like you said, the timing thing, it's getting blitzed, getting bumped off your route. It's little small things like that that make a tiny little like measurement of where the pass is going to be, but he's still close to the mark. He is still on point even when it's an incomplete pass. He has a bright future ahead of him, but the Chargers need to get a better offensive line for him to do this. But he's so, doing this with the, what?
1: I said you could say that again.
0: <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll say that. All day, but in the end, he's doing this with a bad offensive line, makeshift offensive line. Really, mean, Belaga made a difference, but he's still got pressure in his face, and he's still standing there making these throws. Even with Bradley Chubb playing dirty and grabbing his ankle way after the play, he's still out there keeping a clear mindset and making plays. Even the read options, he was doing a really good job of reading the defensive end and making plays. But something that I want to bring up in this game mm-hmm. was the Chargers – actually went for a trick play they actually tried to get a passing play with keenan allen a trick play that
1: wasn't a complete disaster i mean we have to applaud that
0: it would have been there the play would have been there it would have been a touchdown but keenan (laughs) decided to be cute and throw off his back foot instead of just planting his feet and going if keenan doesn't do that cute little skip to my loo off his back foot throw that that ball is being led to justin jackson and it's caught and he's off to the races I just wanted to get back to Justin Herbert real quick, just
2: because CBS Sports HQ actually tagged uh, our Twitter Locked On LAC in a pretty awesome quote. Justin Herbert is the first QB in NFL history with 1,500 plus passing yards and 15 plus TDs in his first six games, which is absolutely ridiculous. And also, two other ones just to throw out there. Justin Herbert has become the only rookie in the Super Bowl era with an 85-plus pass rating in each of his first six NFL starts. And one last one, Justin Herbert has 250-plus passing yards in each of his first six starts, which is the first time a rookie has done that since 1950. Well, and the 1,500-yard
1: passing one is kind of misleading, too, because he has 1,800-plus passing yards. So, I mean, they even had to really kind of lower that one. Um, to to get him in there. I mean, it's ridiculous. He actually at this point has more passing yards and more passing touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes had in his first six games. So I mean, it's hard to ask for much more from your rookie. And obviously, he has some consistency things, the turnovers, all of that. But I mean, the good just so farly outweighs the bad. And
0: we move on. And Herbert is doing better stats. Than Patrick Mahomes with less of a team and coaching staff than Patrick Mahomes so I mean that's got to be a big statement there too he's doing a lot with a little
1: right obviously the biggest difference between the two of those guys is their win-loss percentage in their first few games but obviously you know it's hard to ask for much more from Justin Herbert but better overall team much healthier team for Patrick Mahomes obviously better coaching staff for Patrick Mahomes but Another guy, you know, that was really bad going into this game was Michael Badgley, Dave, and we have to shed some light on just how impressive he was because every single one of those field goals felt absolutely enormous. I mean, if he doesn't hit any of them, the Broncos are going down right there and it doesn't even, you don't even get the dramatics. Hey, maybe the game even goes to overtime because they end up just kicking a field goal, but... Every one of those he kicked, especially hitting that 50-plus yarder. He hits a 47-yarder, and then obviously the 33-yarder is pretty short, but he has missed a couple of PATs, which are coming from the same marker. So have to give credit to Michael Badgley. I all you put on Twitter. like He's not ready to get the full nickname back, but if you're talking about instilling confidence in your team to trust you in those moments, I mean, Michael Badgley did a lot of good things to kind of build some of that credibility back up on Sunday.
2: He did, and it was good. Good to see him hit the fifty-plus yarder because that's something he has struggled with in his NFL career. So to see him hit that and hit it, you know, really right down the middle and with plenty of distance was a very good thing to see. And for you know un- the under forties, I mean, to his credit, he's never missed a field goal under forty yards in his NFL career. So that is uh, definitely a positive thing. But yes, he's starting to get some of that confidence back. Uh, he's starting to get uh, some of that, you know confidence with the coaching staff and the organization back too so i did say he got the the badger part back but i'm not ready to put it together with money badger quite yet he's got to show me some more consistency before (laughs) i'm ready to do that but yes i I do like the fact that he went out there and he made all his kicks so now it's just michael badger (laughs) that's not that's that's it that's (laughs) that's it just michael badger just
1: michael badger i mean i don't even know i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing i don't know but Mike it's just nice to see him making those kicks again because obviously with kickers you need to get them out of there if they're not making kicks but there's something about Michael Badgley and how his teammates react to him and how he is with those guys that you're just pulling for him right I mean you just want him to be good enough to stay with this team but he has to help them win games or at least keep them in games like he did last weekend but a couple of Guys, on the defense, or a couple of notes, I would say, for the defense is, you know, for the most part, for a lot of this game, the Chargers did a great job against the run. They absolutely bottled up Melvin Gordon and then Things
2: fell apart with the Phillip well, Lindsey. They, they kept him to two yards yeah, in the first half. I know. Two net rushing yards in the first half. And also just 60 total yards and only two first downs. I mean, the defense was absolutely dominant in the first half. It's just they play always play their best football in the first half, Daniel, and they don't. Play their best football in the second half,
1: and that's the frustrating part of it. Is you see that they are good enough to beat these teams, and I think that's why you know Anthony Lynn still is you know defending Gus Bradley out here, and I think you know what he's seeing is just like hey, you know he's putting these guys in the same position as he is in the first half, in the second half, and they're just not executing. But obviously, teams are catching on to something towards the end of the games, or especially when Gus Bradley's defense has a lead. For me, you have to be able to find a way to get pressure there. But the defense in the first half was great, dominant. But I did think Casey Hayward had a nice bounce back game too. Some guys in that secondary that didn't have great games. But I thought Casey Hayward was good. I thought Michael Davis was good. So there were some bright spots there. It was nice to see those guys going, especially Casey Hayward, who had a lot of work to do. But getting back in there, tackling guys Again, that was really nice to see. But that is going to wrap it up for today's show. We have a ton of voicemails to get into tomorrow, so make sure you guys check in back with that because it was a lot of good topics to get into there. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page LockedOnChargers. As well as subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or giving us a follow on Spotify, we would really appreciate it. And that is always the easiest and fastest way to get the show as well. But if you guys want to get into a voicemail show, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. And we're going to have a lot to get into tomorrow. But we will talk to you guys then. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.